Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Meredith Cougar, who's a fourth-year resident at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. She's originally from Indianapolis, Indiana. She completed college at the University of Notre Dame and medical school at Indiana University. Her academic interests include craniofacial and facial plastic surgery. Meredith, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jenna. I'm really excited to be talking with you and think that this is such a cool series that you're doing. Well, thanks so much for being a part of it. So I'd love to start by hearing kind of a broad overview about your program at UNC. Of course. So UNC... I've loved training here for four years. I did an away or a sub-I rotation here when I was a fourth-year medical student and immediately thought that it sort of felt like home. It felt comfortable, but also like a place where I was going to get really, really good training. And I think four years in, I can definitely say that that holds true So the first couple of years, we spend more time with our general surgery colleagues. And then years three through six, you are solely on the plastic surgery services. And I think there's huge breadth of cases and tons of cases. We see a lot of different things, but also do a lot of bread and butter plastic surgery cases and wonderful off-service rotations, which I'm sure we'll talk more about. But I think it is a really wonderful program. I'm so grateful to train here. And I think at the end of the day, we do produce awesome plastic surgeons. Could you please break down the plastics experience that you get in the first three years? Of course. Like I said, the first two years, you spend about eight months on general surgery per year. When I first started, it was like one to two months per year with plastics. So we have gradually transitioned with the help of our program director, Dr. Jahan Wood, to having a lot more months on plastics those first couple of years, which I think has made a huge difference for the juniors. They're more comfortable with a lot of the things that we're managing on plastic surgery and dealing with on plastic surgery at the start of third year when they are primarily ours for good and there's no more time rotating with general surgery. I will say, I think that you know, although people gripe about it, I think there are a lot of benefits to rotating with general surgery. You learn how to manage sick patients. You become familiar with tons of things in the hospital that then allow you to manage your own patients better down the line. So I think right now we're at a pretty incredible spot where you're able to get what you need from general surgery, but you're not spending so much time there where it is compromising other elements of your plastic surgery education. And then starting third year, you're entirely on plastic? Correct. Yes. Yeah. You start taking call as a third year with the six-year chief as your backup. So third year, you are 100% on plastics. When you are on those more general surgery rotations, what's the experience like in terms of you know how you're treated? I think overall, you're treated very, very well. I didn't feel like I was a black sheep or not really, you know, a part of the other general surgery group. There are amazing general surgery attending, some of whom I still consider to be mentors and who I learned so much from. There's awesome 
we work with some awesome and experienced APPs, like trauma APPs. And then again, I still look up to a lot of the gen surge chiefs who I worked with. And I think this is something I definitely want to highlight, but one benefit of the way that it's structured at UNC is that not only do you come in with your co-plastics resident, but who I love, Marcos Lopez, if he's listening, but you get to know your whole class of general surgery residents, urology residents, CT residents. So for someone like me who moved to Chapel Hill, not knowing too many people, you not only have sort of your whole plastic surgery resident family, but you have this whole other group of people who you start near with and who you spend a lot of time with. And those are still some of my best friends. So I think that the way that's structured really allows for you to have some really rich relationships, which for me is important given that I'm spending six years here. And what are some of the different sites that you rotate through? So one of the things that I think is great about UNC is a lot of things are centrally located. At UNC, we don't have a VA, but we spend the majority of time when we're on our primary plastic surgery services at our main hospital. There is a children's hospital connected to that. So it's one site. We have an offsite clinic and operating room that's 10 to 15 minutes from the main campus. Your first year, you do spend one month at Wake Med, which is a hospital in Raleigh, doing a trauma rotation. Our aesthetic months are with different private practices in the area, so those are different sites, but the majority of time we do spend at our main campus at UNC. So from a travel perspective, that makes it pretty easy. And are there any independent residents or fellows? We do not have any independent residents or fellows at UNC. And I think that presents an amazing opportunity for residents to get really good micro experience, to get really good craniofacial experience. I think that is beneficial for our, our training, ultimately. You mentioned that you start to take plastics call as a three, and that's somewhat buddy call for the first year or so. Can you tell me a little more about that? We don't necessarily use that phrase, but that's a good thing to call it. We say that you have a backup. So We are two residents per year, and as a three, anytime you're on call, you have a chief who's your backup. That's built into the schedule, so you know who will be backing you up. And they are almost like kind of a junior attending. So say you're on facial trauma call and you have a mandible fracture consult, you can call, you can and should and are encouraged to call that chief resident and staff your plan with them prior to actually staffing with the attending. And especially I can remember when I first started taking facial trauma call, that was huge to be able to run through those plans with the chief resident before discussing them with the attending. And I think it's it's a great way to learn and it makes you learn quickly, but also with that support, you're not totally thrown into the deep end. And then starting as a four, are you taking solo call? Yes. Starting as a four, you do take solo call your fourth and fifth year. And then chief year, it's a little bit of a break because you're on backup call. You do come in for cases, but it's nice that you have that junior resident in the hospital. And then how does it work in terms of like hand and facial trauma, for example? We do share facial trauma call with both OMFS and ENT. 
the way that we split it up is the odd months belong to ENT for facial trauma and the even months belong to us. So here we are starting June on the first day of facial trauma call. And, you know, I would say there's plenty to go around. We're always really busy on those facial trauma call months and then get a little bit of a break when we go into the odd months. As far as hand call goes, ortho takes the majority of hand call. We do take one weekend of hand call a month, and then the way we break it up is one weekend of hand call per month plus every Monday. We don't have a dedicated like plastics hand service, but we do spend a lot of time with the orthopedic surgery hand service, and we're in the process of hopefully integrating our two services more, which I think will be helpful but we do get to spend time with our ortho hand department. And are you our replant center? We are not a replant center. No, we have an awesome hand faculty, Dr. Dune, who has done a lot of that, but we're not a replant center. So you mentioned a bit about working with the trauma APPs. Do you have any plastic-specific APPs that you work with? We don't have any APPs within our division, but we have some amazing nurses who are incredibly helpful with clinic patients and scheduling and patient phone calls and lots of things. So our division nurses really do sort of wear a lot of hats and help with a lot of things. Is there any opportunity for elective rotations, either ones that you would pick within your institution or ones you would take time and go away for? I've mentioned Dr. Wood, our program director, but she has implemented two months during your third year, which is designated research time. And you could do a lot of different things with that. It's relatively new. Most residents have stuck around the area and done research, but I really think the world is kind of your oyster with that moving forward. If there were opportunities you wanted to explore at other institutions or in other places, I definitely think you could do that. For instance, like UNC is connected with, they have like a really strong general surgery presence in Malawi. There is the infrastructure to do that sort of global travel if you want, specifically related to the UNC Malawi initiative. Our program director goes to a couple different places, but she like takes a global surgery trip every year that typically a chief resident accompanies her on. So there are those opportunities for people who are interested. I think in your chief years, there is a lot of flexibility with your quote unquote elective time. You spend six to seven months on service as a PGY five and six, but those other months are typically aesthetics with different practices in the area, but you could spend more time with our facial plastic surgeons. You could spend more time certainly doing micro at another institution. A couple of residents take that time and go to, we're in Chapel Hill, which is about two hours from Charlotte. Some people go to a big plastic surgery aesthetic practice in Charlotte. So there's a lot of flexibility to tailor to what you want to be doing and what your career will involve. It's not six months you can take necessarily away from your institution, but it's six months that within that you can, you know, choose what specialties within plastic surgery in your surrounding area you want to explore more. Exactly. You summed it up well. There's a lot of opportunities and flexibility. And it's cool because I think that by the time you're a chief, 
you know, you've seen a lot and can really tailor that to your interests and what's ultimately going to help you be the best plastic surgeon. You've mentioned doing some aesthetic rotations with the private practice surgeons. Can you lay out when you get those experiences, like for how many months and kind of what they're like? So our first exposure to aesthetics comes in our third year of residency with a month-long aesthetics rotation. And then you do another month, your fourth year with several more months, your fifth and sixth year. That primarily involves rotating at, there's about three practices in the RTP area that are very used to having our residents and are very welcoming and invite you if there's good busy days, but are happy to have you really whenever. And it's nice because with that variety of practices, there are you know some face cases, some body cases. So I think you do get really good exposure in your month. In addition to that, even as a PGY one and two, we do have a UNC aesthetics clinic. So depending on schedules, you do get exposure to that sort of peppered throughout your first years and then your subsequent years, even when you are on your service rotations. We see aesthetic patients. We do some of those cases at UNC, just not as high volume typically as the private practices that we have the opportunity to rotate at. And with that aesthetic clinic, do the chiefs have the opportunity to book their own cases? Unfortunately, we do not have a chief clinic here. That's definitely been talked about. I think there's a lot of sort of logistical hurdles to overcome at a state institution. And I'd love to, again, listen to all of your episodes and see if anyone has tips in overcoming that. So even though chiefs aren't booking their own cases, and this may be something we talk about more too, I think that as you progress in your training, you do get more autonomy. And I think our chiefs are more than capable of operating independently when they graduate. And I think that even without those buzzwords of chief clinic, I definitely do think that trainees get adequate exposure and experience and autonomy and feel confident and capable to go out and do their own cases when they graduate. And is there experience with gender affirmation surgery? There definitely is. I feel like I want to highlight all of our really awesome faculty, but Dr. Yemi Ogunleye is one of our faculty members, and he trained in micro at Stanford. He does a lot of our gender affirmation surgery here at UNC. I had the opportunity to be in a phalloplasty last week with him and another resident, and that was an amazing case. So he's very active in that, and I think we'll only continue to do more of those surgeries. And then a couple of our other attendings as well do top surgeries. So I think that we definitely do have the opportunity to do those gender affirming cases. And I think we'll continue to do more in the future. So how would you say your program manages resident autonomy through the years? This is a fascinating question and one that I've thought more about as I have progressed in my residency. I think it's very much a graduated autonomy. I think our attendings on the whole are great about safely giving you the opportunity to challenge yourself, learn more, kind of push the limits of your 
current skill level. So I definitely think that as you progress and as you've proven yourself to be a safe and prepared surgeon, you're given more autonomy. And I actually think that that's something that our program is is really good at as evidenced by, I've mentioned this, but our chiefs being able to do cases independently and finish our program and go out and practice. And I think a lot of that is thanks to the graduated autonomy that we're given. And just as an example of that, could you walk me through what each PGY level would be able to do in a case like a deep? We'll start backwards. We can start with the chiefs. Say we're doing a bilateral deep flap with either Dr. Bott, who's one of our micro attendings, who is awesome to work with and I think has provided a ton of really, really great micro training to our residents. In a deep flap case with Dr. Bott or Dr. Yemi, who I mentioned, the chief would be involved in helping the attending harvest the flaps, find the perforators, and you know, safely dissect out the flaps. And then typically if there's a PGY4 or a 5, they may be up at the chest doing the chest dissections. The chief could also be leading those as well. If there are threes or twos in the case, they are, you know, helping either the PGY4 or 5 at the chest or helping just be another pair of hands while the flap is getting dissected. The ones and twos you know, certainly are doing things like helping to close the abdominal donor site. And typically in terms of when you are really getting under the scope and starting micro, I think that that really starts your fourth year, sometimes the end of your third year, starting to do veins under the scope and then eventually arteries. What are the research expectations like and opportunities for residents? Our expectations, I think, are very reasonable. We, I believe, are supposed to publish one paper every three years. So like just publishing two papers while you are a resident. I think that most people are involved in in more research than that. All of our attendings kind of have different interests. So really, it just is directed by what intrigues you, what you want to investigate further, and then identifying a faculty mentor or hopping on one of their projects. And I think that we have a great team of statisticians who help with the data analysis, which I'm certainly very grateful for. So I think that that support is there. You just kind of have to seek out your faculty mentors and the project. But I do think that overall, there's good support from the Department of Surgery. And what kind of support's available once you're ready to present? There definitely is support. There's like a base level, an annual sort of amount that each resident has for travel expenses to go to conferences. And one thing I will say is our division is very supportive about that. And there are different funds and scholarships within the division. So if you have met that amount that covers your travel. There are different ways to augment that with funds within the division. So they make it work. And are there any other particularly awesome perks you'd like to share? I would say labs. We've had a couple really awesome labs in the last few years. Our program director, Dr. Wood, ordered these really cool 3D SIM 
models for cleft lips and cleft palates and also rhinoplasties. We've gone through those and I think PGY4s and up were able to perform their own cleft repair on these models. So that was a super awesome lab. We had a really incredible cadaver lab this year with six cadavers and we did all sorts of flap dissection all over the human body with those cadavers. So that was amazing. So I think there's been some really great lab experiences lately. One thing, UNC has some pretty good food. I am not sick of it after four years. They have some awesome cafeteria options. We do get a monthly allowance to spend at the hospital cafeteria, which is nice, and also at the hospital Starbucks, which is very nice. What area of plastic surgery would you say residents come out with the strongest experience in? With the wide range of everything, obviously that is encompassed by plastic surgery. I think our program does a remarkable job of representing that pretty well, but I do think that residents are probably most comfortable with general reconstructive plastic surgery, whether that's breast reconstruction, different local regional flaps for reconstruction. We do get a really, really good foundation in that. Secondarily, I think that we've had a lot of chief residents go into aesthetics. I think with all of our time on aesthetics, ultimately you do get a lot of really good exposure to that. One of our chiefs just matched into hand. You know, we have some really solid months on our hand rotation where you get good exposure to that certainly. And then our exposure to craniofacial, I think is amazing too, just to be at a place where there's, there's no fellows and to be doing those complex craniofacial cases, you know, as a chief resident is an awesome opportunity as well. And how would you improve your program? I think I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but we are working on combining the plastics hand program with the orthopedic hand surgery program. And I think that would create a much more cohesive hand service. So I think that kind of an upcoming transition is we will be hiring a new hand faculty when our current one leaves. And the hope is that they would be a joint ortho and plastics hand faculty. So that would alleviate some of the tension that sometimes exists between the two hand services. I'd love to hear a little more of the specifics of your leadership. So your chief and your PD. The chief of our division is Dr. Lynn Damitz, and she has been at UNC for years, but has provided just some very steady, good leadership for our division. She's very involved in a lot of the national organizations within plastic surgery and is well known on a national level. She's involved in board examination. She's involved in women in plastic surgery. So she, I think, is an awesome asset to our division and I'm grateful to have her at the helm. Our program director, Dr. Jahan Wood, is our craniofacial faculty. She works tirelessly with patients, with residents. We're sort of like her 12 work children sometimes, but she is very, very dedicated to improving our program and listening to the residents. And I think she has made a big positive impact on things since she became program director a couple years ago.
I didn't realize there was another program in the country that has a female chief and PD outside of UTMB. So that's exciting. I didn't realize that. That was one of the things that stuck out to me immediately about UNC, like coming from my medical school where I think there was one female plastic surgery faculty member when I was there. It's different now, but such strong female representation among the plastic surgery faculty and our residents, but it also extends to like the entire department of surgery at UNC. It's like a very female heavy powerhouse, which as a female surgeon is something that, that I certainly loved and was drawn to. Can you tell me about a time when you or another resident brought up an issue to your program leadership and how they responded? What comes to mind is work hour violations were a little bit dicey on like one of our surveys, which can be problematic. And specifically, it was related to your time on gen surge with the way that call is structured. But our program leadership responded extremely positively and quickly and really prioritizes like us not going over work hours and whether that's when we're on general surgery call or whether when, you know, that's on our plastic surgery services. And if you get killed on call, it's, you know, kind of shifting things around the next day if you need to go nap for a couple hours. And I think that our program does really take that seriously and wants us to be safe in how we are caring for patients and, you know, even getting home after, after long shifts. So they, I don't think could have responded better to that. And just the messaging from the top is that we need to be all working together to make sure that there aren't any work hours violations. And what kind of a role do residents play in department decision-making when it comes to things like picking new residents or even hiring new faculty? One of the wild things to me when I matched into plastics was them being on the other side of it and seeing us interview new incoming residents. And I think that we go through that process as a collective division, residents and faculty have input. And I think that the faculty do listen to what the residents have to say and what they think about different applicants. And certainly there's a discussion and, and sometimes there are disagreements, but I think they do listen and they want us to have a cohesive group that works well together and hiring new faculty as well. We are starting to search for a new hand faculty member and residents are always invited to come meet the faculty candidate and have lunch with them, talk with them for a while and then have solicited feedback with surveys. So I do think that our input is valued. And how does your program promote diversity and inclusion or help you develop into a culturally competent resident? I think we are probably one of the most diverse programs in the country. When you look at our faculty and our residents, we have we have an incredibly diverse group of residents with all sorts of different minorities represented in terms of race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, we have just a diverse representation on all those fronts, I think, in, again, both our residents and our faculty. And I think that that is something that our program does value and has tried to cultivate. And in a way now, I think it's kind of 
self-perpetuating in a way, because I think we have a diverse group and then that attracts more diversity and, and different points of view, which I think is really cool. Can you tell me a bit more about the general like vibe camaraderie culture amongst the residents? Overall, we have a really close group of residents, you know, certainly you'll have your, the people that you are better friends with in that big group. But I think we kind of have a mentality of the more the merrier for like hanging out outside of the hospital together. And I've hung out with like, honestly, most of the residents outside of the hospital. Like I played pickleball with our interns recently, you know, and like there'll be different groups that work out or like go to breweries or run. Like, I think there's a lot of diverse interests. So if you're down to do whatever, there's someone in our group who probably is too. And I like, am so excited to have COVID ending and to have a big graduation celebration coming up where we'll all come together. And I think we have a lot of fun when we have time and are able to hang out outside of work. And what are some qualities of a resident who would fit well in your program? I think that residents who fit well at UNC are generally hardworking, are optimistic, are excited to be learning how to become a plastic surgeon and all of that that entails. And, you know, I think it's easy sometimes to forget that when you're overworked and when you're tired and things are stressful, but I think that ultimately everyone in our group really, one of our attendings says this, but you know, that we, he doesn't want us, Dr. Bot doesn't want us to strive for mediocrity. He wants us to be the best plastic surgeons that we can be. And I think that one reason I'm really proud to be in this program is because I do think like individually, each resident does want to work really, really hard and get better at whatever it is, you know, whether it's the intern with suturing or as we talked about earlier, as you progress year by year, I think everyone genuinely is excited to learn and wants to graduate being the best plastic surgeon that we're capable of being. So I think that is a uniting factor amongst us as well. Does your program have any experience with international medical grads or otherwise non-traditional residents? One of the chiefs when I was an intern, was from Romania and had completed her residency in Romania. So we do have a history of taking some international medical graduates and she was certainly non-traditional, but a very good surgeon and has gone on to now be a successful attending elsewhere. And now to transition to the final section, a bit about the logistics of how residents live. So do most own or rent in Chapel Hill? We may be split with renting and buying versus slightly more buying. I think there's a lot of opportunity to, depending on what you're looking for, in the Chapel Hill, Durham area. I live in a condo. There are people who live in townhouses, people who live in houses. So there certainly are things available to buy, and we're fortunate to be in a really good market. So I think a lot of people recognize the opportunity to get the return on that after six years of residency. But then on the flip side of that, there's some really awesome apartments with great pools, and we have residents who live there too. So I think slightly more in the buy camp, but we do have people who rent as well. And where do people live, like in relation to your main site? Pretty close. I'd say within like 10 to 20 minutes of the hospital. So some in Chapel Hill, some in nearby Durham, but all easily accessible to the main 
UNC hospital campus. What's the breakdown of residents being like approximately single, married, having kids? We're kind of split single and married slash in long-term serious relationships. And then right now, only one of our residents has a very cute baby and she is one of our chiefs who happens to be graduating. So not a ton of kids in the program at the moment. Do you know what her or other residents experience has been like with maternity or paternity benefits? I think that Karishma got about six weeks off. And I think it was manageable and they do try to support you, but I don't think you get quite as much time off as you would in a perfect world. I would say in general that we are very supportive of families. We have several like faculty with young kids. Our prior two chiefs both had multiple kids. So I think overall it is a supportive culture of that. And my good friend who's a chief this year, like a lot of the faculty went to her baby shower. So I think overall, yes. And is it necessary to have a car? Probably, unless you live close enough where you can, like, bike to work. Yes, I think you'd want to have a car here to drive to work and to lots of the fun things in the area. Well, that is my next question. What do you like about living where you live? One of my really good friends who's a urology resident, recently he said, he was like, you know, everything in this area is 90% awesome. Like, Everything is, like, pretty darn solid. You know, it's not like Denver. Like, we don't have, like, the best scenery in the whole country or, like, the very best weather in the whole country. But, like, it truly is an amazing place to live. The beach and the mountains are both really close by. You can go to Asheville for a weekend trip. I just went to the beach over Memorial Day weekend, literally for a day. There's also in the Research Triangle Parkway, the RTP area, Chapel Hill, Durham, Raleigh. There's tons of restaurants, tons of breweries, tons of things to do. There's awesome running trails, biking trails, hiking trails. There's a big lake. I think there's a really cool mix of a lot of nature close by as well as, you know, good restaurants and good food. And then just to give a a shout out to Chapel Hill, since that's where our main campus is. It's cool. It's really close to the like heart of the undergrad campus and you know we will grab a drink on Franklin Street or go out on Franklin Street after work together sometimes so I think it is truly like the perfect place for residency it's easy to get around it's affordable the weather is really pretty awesome for most of the year and I've loved living here what's the relationship like with Duke being right nearby and them also you know having a residency program overall really good. I like know some of the residents who are in my year at Duke from interviewing and separately from that, the Duke residents spend time rotating in our burn unit since they don't have one. So you meet a few of them that way. Also throughout the year, we have probably at least two joint journal clubs, which are really fun. And actually missed those during COVID, but that's when like we all kind of come together as a group. And so I think there are different things where we all see each other. And another example of that is like for different visiting professors, they'll invite us or we'll invite them. So I think that there is more a sense of collegiality than competition with them. And it is fun to come together with their group for different academic initiatives. So that is pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. 
Any final thoughts either on your program or on the overall process of choosing a residency? My own personal thought on it is I think that like everyone's looking for something slightly different. You may be like, you know, I want the biggest research powerhouse or I want a program where I'm going to have the absolute most aesthetics exposure or whatever it is. Certainly those could be reasons to choose a program. And it's a little bit hard because I think there are some intangibles that sometimes you don't know until you're at a place. But I wanted to be somewhere where it felt comfortable and like home and like somewhere where I was going to be happy to be for six years because that is a long time to train. So, you know, a place that felt like home and where it was going to be a good training environment while at the same time still really challenging me and you know, allowing me to to grow into the best plastic surgeon I can be. So I think I really have found that at UNC. And again, I'm just super grateful to be training here. Do you have a single best piece of advice for an applicant, like either on and away rotation or during interviews? In terms of like on interviews, I think to be genuinely interested in the programs you're at, in the residents and the faculty that you meet, I think that genuine curiosity does come across in a positive way. And I think that when you are on your away rotations, these, you know, month long interviews, I think just trying to be, this sounds so simple, but I think sometimes it's overlooked, just trying to be helpful. Like, in the OR, look around at what, like, there truly is always something that you can be doing to help, whether it's in the OR with moving patients or in the morning with rounds and dressing supplies. Like, there's always, always, always something you can be getting or doing. And I think that that's a small thing, but it goes a long way. And I also think that for applicants to spend some time thinking about why you do want to go into plastic surgery and what excites you about the field and being able to to articulate that again in a, in a genuine manner, I think will go a long way. And how could interested students find out more about your program? We do have an Instagram, a UNC Plastic Surgery Instagram, so please check that out. Certainly, feel free to share my contact information. I really do think that any resident you contacted via email or somehow through Instagram, we'd be more than happy to answer your questions about our program and would be really excited to talk to anyone interested about it. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Meredith. Thank you, Jenna. It was so fun. Congrats to you on this amazing podcast series. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.